Thank you for joining us for the U-City Sermon of the Week. We invite you to partner with us through giving at ucitychurch.com slash give. We also invite you to like our Facebook page, our Instagram page, and subscribe to our YouTube channel for updates, as well as our weekly live stream services on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. Good with that, but on that note... Let's go ahead and get started. Um, if you don't know who I am, my name is Joey Diotti, and I'm the youth director here at U-City. Um, and it's always such an honor and a blessing to be here with you in main service. And if you weren't here the last two weeks, we actually had Peter Martin here from Calvary sharing with us. And last week, Peter took us through the parable of the sower. And if you missed that, I highly encourage go on YouTube and take a look at that. Um, he really did do an awesome job with that. And it's actually kind of funny because at the beginning of that message, he shared how he kind of has some trouble with, with um, art and poetry and story writing and stuff like that. But for me, on the other hand, I love art. I love poetry. I love storytelling and all that fun stuff. And so for me, parables are always pretty insightful, um, and so I'm excited for more today. And so on that note, we're going to be looking at three smaller parables today that all touch on a similar topic, or in other words, strike a common chord for life and for the kingdom of heaven as well. But before we do that, let's pray together and ask the Lord to be with us this morning before we get started. Dear Heavenly Father, God, um, we just come before you today, Lord, just so in awe of who you are. And so in awe of how much greater you are than us. And today I hope that we learn and we grow in knowledge and understanding of what your kingdom is and how valuable your kingdom truly is and should be in our hearts, Lord. We love you and we thank you. Go before us today and speak through me. Amen. All right. Well, before we really get started here, I have a question for all of us. Who here has younger kids? Yeah, some of us. We have some younger families in here. How about this one? Who here has ever been a young kid? Yeah? Perfect. Me too. I'm glad we're all humans. That's awesome. Um, Well, something that we could probably all agree with about younger kids is that they love their things, right? And, And for me, I don't have any kids of my own yet, Um, but I do know that, well, young kids, right, they do love their, their toys, right? They love their new shoes. They love their snacks. They love their friends. They love their family, and they do really love their mom and dad. And so younger kids, they do start to, you know, form these strong bonds and connections with the things that they have, Right? It's kind of like this, this, um, this bond or childlike connection that gets built. Right? Like for me, when I was younger, my dad bought a Harley Davidson motorcycle. Not for me, for him. Um, and and I, thought it was, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And so what I did is I started collecting these small little cars and small little toy motorcycles, and I would clean them all up with my little toothbrush, right? and I'd scrub them, and I'd paint them, and I'd do all my little own little tune-ups on them, and it was, it was awesome, right? It was pretty crazy. But the thing about those was, except for me, no one was allowed to touch them. Right? Like, those things were mine. They belonged to me. No one was allowed to touch them. And that, it, that's pretty common for younger kids, right? Like, what happens when you take away one of their toys or touch something that they're playing with? They look at you and go, hey, that's mine. Give it back. That's mine. It belongs to me. That is mine. It is mine. 
right? And without even knowing it, they've kind of built this attachment with those things, right? So much so to the point where they don't ever want to let go of them and they don't want anyone to take them away. And, and don't get me wrong, right? Because for the most part, those things are all really great and kids should all have their favorite toy and they should have the, their favorite object that they love to play with. And every kid should have a special bond or connection with their parents, right? But if we think about it, well, in a way, doesn't that idea or concept kind of take shape or maybe even leak into our lives as we grow older as well? Yeah, like this life is mine. It belongs to me. I can do what I want with it. Or this money is mine. I can do whatever I want with it. Or all these things are mine. My family is mine. My spouse is mine. My, my car is mine. Or even my future is mine. Right? I will never give it away. I will never give them up. And if they're ever taken away from me, it will be just a complete mess, and I will be incredibly lost. Right? It just would not be good. It would be really, really, really hard. And I think if we're being honest with ourselves, all of us in here probably have one thing in our lives that if taken away, we would probably react pretty negatively. Right? And so my question for all of us as we begin um, this morning is, first of all, what earthly things are we possessively clinging to in this life or possessively clinging on to in the world? And as we begin thinking a little bit more about our relationship with Jesus in the kingdom of heaven, well, is, how important is all of that like actually to us? Right? Like it's easy to say, I, I love Jesus and I cherish the kingdom. Right? But is the message of Jesus in the kingdom of heaven so important to us that nothing else in this world can stand in the way? Like, do we really, truly desire and cherish the kingdom of heaven that much? And I know that that's a, that's a huge question, but that's the main idea or topic, if you will, that we'll be seeing today, specifically in the first two parables that we'll be looking at. And in these two parables, Jesus lays out kind of the, or actually the, the value of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom that he will establish, the kingdom that believers inherit after this life. And so the, the point is this, and here's the big picture. It's on the screen here. The kingdom of heaven should hold so much value that losing everything but inheriting it is not a tragic loss or a depressing thing, but it is actually a triumphant and joyous event that we can actually count it as, as a victory. And so my hope this morning is that we kind of begin to unravel a little bit more of what that looks like, a little more practically in our lives. But at this time, if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and flip on over um, to Matthew 13, which is where we'll be doing most of our reading this morning. And if you're flipping over, we're going to start at Matthew 13, verse 44. And it says this, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had, and he bought the field. And so as we dive into this, it's really important for us to understand that these parables were told within the context of the specific time period they were in, right? Meaning that Jesus, when telling these things, he knew that his audience would understand them because of the relevance that they had in their lives, right? For example... 
In that time, it was actually pretty common for someone to hide their money, riches, or whatever it was in the ground on their property or on their land because they didn't necessarily have banks back then, right? Or at least banks, or at least what we know as banks today that were trustworthy enough for them because of the poverty and political turmoil in that time, which made everyone pretty fearful of having their riches or possessions or whatever it, whatever it was taken from them by the government or authoritative powers. And so it wasn't incredibly uncommon for someone to find money or whatever it was hidden in the ground by someone else. Right? And along with that, we can also guess or maybe even assume that the reason that the man in this parable, after finding the treasure, actually hides it again before going and buying the entire land is because by law, that treasure actually still belongs to the original owner of the land until it was sold by him. Right? And so then, if the original owner sells the land with the hidden treasure in it, all of that now belongs to the new owner who bought the land. And I know this is kind of a lot for us to digest. So let's kind of think about it like this. All right, say you're, you're walking your dog across this field at a park, or maybe you don't have a dog, so you're going on just a nice little afternoon stroll with your spouse or your friend, or heck, maybe you're just walking by yourself. All right, and you're walking across this field, and all of a sudden, you stub your toe on this chest that you now notice is kind of sticking out of the ground. And, and you're interested in what it is, and so out of curiosity, you start digging it up, right? And in this chest, what you find is something that is more valuable than the entire universe itself. And, and you are so sure that it is, like you are completely convinced of it. Well, would you then go home and count everything else that you have as nothing because you want that treasure so bad? What do you think? Because you see, the thing is, we don't see, or at least I'm not interpreting in this text, that we can receive the kingdom of heaven by buying it or earning it. Right? But actually, the value of it is so high that we want it more than anything else in this world. And if we had to, we would actually go and sell everything else that we have just to have it. In Philippians 3.8, the Apostle Paul says this, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And if you know anything about the life of Paul, well, when we think about Paul's life, well, at the beginning of his life, he was a pretty highly regarded religious leader. Right? And what he did, he hated Christians. He actually persecuted Christians. Right? But he had a pretty high status in that community. But once he gave his life to Christ and became a Christian, he actually counted all of that prestige that he had with that community, along with all the pain, suffering, and loss that he endured because of the gospel as nothing. And what we read in this text is that he says, I count all of that as rubbish if that means inheriting Christ if that means receiving Christ and gaining him, right? And that includes his own personal righteous or righteousness, along with all the possessions and belongings that he had. And when I think more about the story of Paul, it is pretty crazy, right? And in order for someone